love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski, and I'm here with my co-host, Haley Chura. And Haley, I can barely see over the video screen here on Squadcast, which we use to record, is like some Olympic flat, like, or you don't know Olympic flat, well, Olympic um, rings, I guess is what they're called, the United States flag, some like red, white, and blue action going on. Are you like full on Olympic fever? This is, I feel like this is like Olympic weekend. You're just like, Yes, I've been to the Olympic trials and I'm going to wear all of my swag from that experience to like help celebrate these athletes. Yes, I have Olympic fever. I did throw on this sweatshirt on purpose this morning. It is from the U.S. Olympic marathon trials. Um, I love this sweatshirt and wearing it proudly to support Team USA as, as we get ready for the Beijing Winter Olympics. I mean, we just had the Tokyo Summer Olympics. Beijing Winter Olympics start I think opening ceremonies this Friday. So this podcast comes out on Thursday. On Friday, opening ceremonies. We did look up the when they they let air. And um, Alyssa, you might you might be able to watch them. Six thirty a.m. Eastern time is the live live showing of the uh, opening ceremonies in Beijing. Do you think you would be up at six thirty a.m. to watch them? I will definitely be awake at 6.30 a.m. And I feel like that's perfect. It's been quite cold here in New Hampshire in the morning. So I I am not like, normally I'd be probably getting ready to go outside to like do some sort of physical exercise. But right now I have been definitely letting things warm up out of the negatives as much as I possibly can in the morning. So the opening ceremony sound like a perfect way for me to kind of get some, you know, athlete plans written, answer some emails, drink my coffee and get ready for warmer temps watching that unfold. I'm not, and I, to be honest, I'm not usually an opening ceremonies watcher. Like that's not my favorite part of the Olympics. So, um, but I think in the morning, I'm most likely to be watching, watching that. So definitely I'll, I'll be watching. And then I can tell you, I don't think 430 is, if you're up at 430, it's probably to like go get a swim lane and not watch the opening ceremonies. <laughs> yeah. I am an opening ceremonies watcher. I love them. I think Beijing 2008 was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. So I am, you know, have high hopes for, for these opening ceremonies as well. And 4.30 a.m. I could be awake. The problem is I would get sucked in and I'd end up watching it and then I would miss my swim slot. So I um, I probably will have to watch a replay later in the day. It does sound like they have some, they'll be replaying it several times later in the day on uh, NBC and Peacock. So lots of options for those of us who maybe don't get to watch it live, but um, I'm psyched. You know, I, I live in a wintry area. I, you know, did some winter sports growing up. And so I have a deep appreciation even for, for winter Olympics. And, um, you know, it's just always fun to watch people at the pinnacle of their sport compete on the world stage. For sure. And I feel like for me, you know, dabbling in some winter sports lately, if people have been listening, I'm, I've been trying skate skiing. I've been not really downhill skiing yet, but I've been like on different types of skis and snowshoeing and like just in the snow more than I ever have. So I, I feel like part of the Olympics more than ever, um, for the winters, winter sports, which is fun, but I'm, I'm really excited to like now watch them through a new lens of like, Oh, I can go out my door and try this and like emulate the, you know, like I'm going to be 
that part like you know when the tour de france is on and like you see all those people out bike riding more and they're in like the you know polka dot jersey and they're like climbing the hills pretending to be in the tour it's like that's gonna be me now out on my skate skis pretending to be in the olympics but i'm gonna be like watching because i don't need to watch youtube videos i can just watch the races and learn the things that i need to be doing to get faster and better and aka just not be falling all over myself when i'm doing these these sports so i am pretty excited for that lineup and just a a little note to our listeners. So Haley's house is having some construction right now. So if you're hearing a little bit of background noise, we, um, that's just all that's going on. And we're, I wouldn't say we're going to rush through this intro, but it's going to be a little bit of a shorter kind of intro to the podcast this week than, than normal. And so, um, don't worry, Haley doesn't have like any um you know a, a small family behind her moving in or anything like that it's just it's just sounding like that this week yeah so the other downside of living in a winter climate is that if you get a lot of snow and you have a poorly constructed roof line um you get a leak in your roof so i could i could elaborate but it has not been a fun weekend and um I tried. I asked them. I was like, please, I'm recording. Could you please come like two hours later? And they were like, no. And I'm a little bit annoyed. You were like, haven't you heard of the Iron Women podcast? The show must go on. I pulled out all the stops. I was like, we are interviewing very important people. But um, and I'm an important person. And I like I couldn't figure out where we're recording this quite early in the morning. And I couldn't figure out where I could go. Um, that might be quiet that I could also bring cowboy, the dog. Cause I can't just leave him here. He would be traumatized. So, um, these are like the pitfalls of life and recording, but yes, I apologize for the background noise. And, um, but thanks for, for bearing with us. This is real life. <laughs> the cold does do crazy. This is like definitely going to only extend the noisy intro, but the cold does do crazy stuff to the house. Like my, the front lock, like the lock. <laughs> it like freezes and sometimes I like can't even get my key in because it's frozen so that's a thing I've noticed and then our basement door has some kind of like a frost heave situation so now if you get it open it's like stuck open and then unless we figured out the secret is like you have to open the door all the way really wide and then slam it shut as as, as fast as you can and that like allows the bottom door plate to like flex and then go like really quickly I guess and we think it's like a frost heave situation, which is hap- something that happens up here. But um, definitely, you know, the things that just become normal, normal life living in colder climates. So I can see how, um, yeah, things just pop up with a lot of snow and then water and things like that. But Haley, one thing I did also want to extend this is by asking you about um, your inside tracker results. Last week, we talked about how you made that appointment and you got the blood draw. It was much easier than faster than you expected. And so I'm just eagerly awaiting to hear any tidbits of information about your results or particularly your inner age results. <laughs> you look like you're beaming and I'm like, this is going to, she beat me. She's going to be like inner age of 23. <laughs> yeah. I know you'd love to hear this. Guess, guess what my, okay. I won't make you guess. You just guessed. My inner age is actually... 42. Whoa, Haley. Thanks for making me feel so good about that, Alyssa. Um, Is there something wrong with being a 42-year-old? No. You know, I am like 42 at heart for sure. For sure. Yes. And so I think I'm the only person at Feisty Media who did get an interage 
more than their like numerical age. And, you know, it, it, so I'm like, okay. Um, I mean, I can think of some reasons, but maybe people lie, but, um, I, I want to say that it was driven a lot by my cholesterol number, which was interesting. And I, the, it, it freaked me out. Like I will admit that it freaked me out. The results did. And they were like, consult your doctor, consult your doctor. And so I did actually consult a doctor and she said, I'm fine. And she was actually like, have you eaten an avocado lately? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, that's what is driving this LDL number. And so, um, so it, she, you know, kind of assured me like blood work is a snapshot. And so it is, um, you know, important to have that context and to also have a primary care physician who can kind of let you know that what you just Googled on the internet isn't necessarily applicable to you just because of this, this one number. Um, and so that, that is like the value in that. I mean, there's definitely some things I can probably work on. They, Actually, one of the recommendations, Alyssa, was more aerobic exercise. Do you think I can do that? (laughs) That's always my favorite. Like, please make sure you're walking for 30 minutes a day, three times a week. (laughs) I was like, I literally cannot fit in more aerobic exercise. I mean, I do as much as possible. But again, it's important to have context. So I think it's, you know, I, we, we can check these numbers and we can compare, but also like keep things in context. Um, you know, maybe like, maybe like pay attention to what you're eating before and after. And then the value of having a primary care physician, a human that you can kind of talk to and be like, okay, this is why this makes sense for you. And maybe you should take action on these items, but, um, not on the other items. Like, uh, my HDL, like the good kind of cholesterol was actually quite high too. And so she kind of explained to me the, um, you know, mechanism and how those two work together. And I felt much, much better. So <laughs> anyway, but I am, um, I'm actually like embracing my, my, my 42 year oldness. And I was thinking about entering some master's races and it's like saying, <laughs> well, my inner age is 42. I know. Like, I don't know if you guys know that this is the new thing we're going on, but, uh, I'm faster as a master. So take it. I know. I was also like, I should do some like retail therapy. I need to start dressing like a 42 year old more. And I was like, which I was like low waisted jeans. That's definitely like, that's what's back in style. Right. (laughs) What? how does a 42 year old dress? I don't know, but I actually went to Old Navy the other day and got some mom jeans and they are like changing my life. I have to admit, um, the high-waisted jeans, right? So I'm fully on the bandwagon for, um, I don't know what age that really is, but, and I was also listening to a podcast the other day when they affirmed my belief that denim should not be tight. Like all of, I, Haley, you grew up in the same time as me where like low-waisted skinny jeans, tight jeans were like a thing we've had to wear for now 34 six years of, I almost said 34 because I thought I was 34 for a second and I'm not. So for like our whole lives. And so I have flipped the script on that, you know, no, another little random topic there, but mom jeans are I'll just my new thing. Go with our inner age. So I think your inner age was like early thirties and mine's like, but again, I'm like, I have, I'm actually like taking this. I'm like, I think I've fit 42 years of life into only 36 years. And I'm like quite impressed with myself. So I don't think this is what inside tracker, the multiple careers, a lot of wisdom. I mean, I, I can see maybe they, I, yeah, but I'm glad you shared that because I do think I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who get similar results. And I think it is good. Like you said, just to kind of understand the context, see the snapshot, be like, okay, that's how it is. And then 
maybe it won't be too long before you do it again and then can compare results, see improvements and see how that snapshot is a little different. And you're like, oh yeah, that was kind of an anomaly that one time. Uh Oh, and then I'm going to find out if I entered a master's race illegally. (laughs) They'll take back all my records. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Actually, there's some 40 40 plus year olds who are quite fast. It would probably not be a guaranteed uh, victory. So we'll see. All right. And if our listeners, if you want to use Inside Tracker, it's a very convenient, um, very simple way to do on demand blood draw, which Haley and I both use and um, find definitely perks to doing. Head to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty now, Iron Women. Let me see. I think go to Inside Tracker forward slash Iron Women and it will redirect you to a different one if if that is updated already. But, and I believe it's 20% off for your cart at Inside Tracker. So um, let us know, send us a mailbag, which Haley, we're not going to do mailbag because we are breezing through this week, but we have some, we have a good couple questions still in the queue. Send us your mailbag questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. If you want our opinions on your, your inner age, we'll critique that. Um, we (laughs) We will give you training advice, race advice, clothing advice, all sorts of things we may or may not be qualified to give you ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. And um, we have a great interview for you this week. We are talking to Sarah Svensk and Sarah is a Swedish professional and you might recognize her name because last November she went 822 at Ironman Cozumel. It was the fastest known time in an Ironman branded race for a woman. It is an incredibly fast time. And so we talked to her about that race in Cozumel. We talked to her about uh, her, her quick progression in the sport. She's had, you know, some really, really good races. She's also had some downs. Um, she had a pretty bad bout of COVID last summer and, um, recovered from that, but it took several months. And, um, so we, she talks about that, her recovery, and she's also a medical doctor. So she's able to kind of talk about the having COVID and recovering from that, from that perspective of her medical education. So it's a, it's an interesting conversation and kind of a a good, good testament to taking care of yourself so that then you can, you too may be able to go a fastest known time in an Ironman branded race for a woman. (laughs) There's a lot of, a lot of records out there, but 822 is fast no matter how you do it. So we will have our conversation with Sarah right after the break. The Iron Women Podcast wants to give a huge shout out to Orca Sportswear for their continued support in 2021. As someone who isn't a natural born swimmer, my choices for swim gear are super important. Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon, and swim run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hi, thank you so much. Glad to be here. So we're recording this interview in January. So the New Year's kind of still fresh in our minds. Um, So I'm curious, are New Year's resolutions as big for Swedes as they are for Americans? And did you make any resolutions for 2022? Uh, Yeah, they are big for Swedes as well. Uh, hmm, uh, Not really. I didn't make any uh, this year, but... Maybe like every time staying injury free is <laughs> my yeah. That's a great one. Yeah, that's one we can all keep at the top of our lists, I think. 
I know. I'm always, what about, okay, resolutions versus goals. Like, do you make goals? Is that something you usually do? Yeah, I do actually. Yeah. Uh, for, for, for every every season I make, uh, may, maybe new goals. Maybe it's the old ones that I haven't fulfilled yet. But yeah, I, I like to have goals. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you like to share your goals publicly on podcasts? So, sorry? Do you like to share your goals publicly on podcasts? Oh, yeah, of course I can do. Uh, one goal is always staying injury-free, of course. <laughs> uh, and uh, hmm, for this series, uh, I think my one of my biggest goals is to race more, actually. Yeah. Okay. And speaking of that, like this is kind of an unusual season that we're getting into. Um, normally January is pretty quiet, but we have a world championships coming up in May, early May in St. George, Utah. You're qualified to race that. So where are you right now in your training process? Are you still training like a normal January or is the timeline a little bit tighter than normal? Um. I think I am pretty much uh, where I used to be, uh, training like a bigger volume block now in January. I'm actually down at Pleitas at Fuerteventura and just trying to get a lot of volume and longer bike sessions that is hard to get back home in Sweden. Uh, so I'm trying to stay pretty patient, actually, yeah. St. George, yeah, it, it's a big competition, but I think for me, Kona is even bigger. So St. George will be more of a test where I am, and then I will hopefully be at my prime shape in Kona. And Sarah, we definitely want to get into your recent seasons of racing, but first let's talk a little bit about your background, because I read on your website that your first triathlon was in 2014 when you were 25 years old. And it sounds like it wasn't until you were in your 20s when you even really kind of became competitive in sport. So, you know, is, is that true? Did you grow up doing sports, just non-competitively? Or what was kind of your youth like as an athlete? Yeah, I grew up doing a lot of different sports. Uh, but eventually I turned into horseback riding. Uh, so that's what, what I did between like 10 years, 10 years old to 20 years old. And then I started med school uh, and I... Uh, yeah, I came across uh, more of um, um, yeah, r running. Uh, I, I, I actually always been running, like, but mostly for for fun and for regular exercise, staying active. Uh, but when I started med school, I uh, became friends with a, with a group of people that were more into competitive running. I didn't do the competitive running stuff at that time, uh, but. Um, but I got more into training to a specific goal or something like that and doing not, not, not go out and run for fun, but actually doing some intervals and uh, going to the track and yeah, stuff like that. And what about swimming? Did you grow up, did you have the basics of swimming at least as a kid? I know for adult triathletes, a lot of times that swim piece can be the, the trickiest part because, you know, learning the technique as a kid often can really help. Even if you don't swim tons of yards super early, at least you have the basics down. Did you kind of learn to swim as a child? No, actually I didn't. Only like, you know, breaststroke. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so easy to breaststroke. Uh, so I learned, I think I was 24 when I first tried uh, freestyle. Uh, but I always loved water. So I'm, I'm very comfortable in the water. I think that helped a lot. 
uh, but I'm struggling with the swim. That's my weakest part. So a lot of hours in the pool. <laughs> when did triathlon start? When did you get the um, inkling to try triathlon? Was it through a group? Did you just jump into a race by yourself? Yeah, uh, actually, we have this small uh, uh, triathlon race where I'm where I grew up. Uh, it's a, it's a little town outside uh, uh, Gothenburg, the second biggest town in Sweden. So my mom convinced me to just try it out. Uh, I think it's a super sprint. Yeah, it's it's super short, uh, and I did, and I was terrified during the swim because there were so many people and I, I remember I was swimming under the water because of all the people just uh, hitting you and but uh, but in the end when I finished I actually kind of liked it and I decided that yeah I might try another one and uh, from that on I just kept on um, yeah tra- training and uh, trying out different races and it this seems like it happened pretty quick. If your first um, triathlon was in 2014, you're swimming underwater, getting trampled. And then by 2016, you're racing as a professional. So can you tell us about yeah. that jump? Yeah, it went quick. Uh, 2015, I did. Uh, I actually won the nationals in Sweden in the 7.3 distance. And I did, won my age group in the ITU long distance uh, in Sweden too and after that I uh, decided that I wanted to try to see how good I can be at the sport and I wanted to race the best so I like skipped uh, each group uh, and just went directly into yeah the pro division more or less. <laughs> and did you have a coach helping you in those early years or at what point did you get a coach and yeah, at that point I had a running coach and a bike coach, but uh, but I didn't have a triathlon coach. So it was in uh, twenty seventeen, I think, in the in the autumn, there October or something like that. I uh, uh, started to work with my coach I have at the moment, Frank Jacobson. And obviously, it must be a good a good match because you were quickly by twenty eighteen you were on the podium at the seventy point three European Championships fifth at the Ironman North American Championships and sixth at Ironman Austria. So how did you, I mean, did did the podiums just come really quick to you? Uh, I, yeah, I think they did, actually. Uh, I was uh, quite lucky. <laughs> you have to have some luck as well. Uh, and, uh, well... Well, I it's not it's not that I came from like lying on the sofa. I've always been very active, so I think I had a lot of, uh, yeah, I had a lot of endurance in my body, and I just needed to know how to execute on on the races, uh, and get a little bit a little bit better on the swim, uh, definitely. And it seems I think that's a good point. Like when with racing, that race sharpness, kind of in that acuity that comes with racing like you can be super fit but to understand the race dynamics of racing at a pro level is is really hard and to put yourself to propel into those top spots you know when you didn't have age group racing to kind of get your bearings is super impressive so was that something again that you just kind of felt like the competitive spirit comes natural to you or did your coach kind of help with learning the dynamics of racing or did you talk to other female pros that are study the sport uh, my, my coach helped a lot Definitely, uh, I was a real beginner in the uh, from, from the start. So he see he helped me a lot. 
definitely. Uh, but I get when I'm when I'm in racing, in racing mode, I get kind of well. I'm just super focused, and I can let everything else go. Uh, so I think I was too focused in the beginning because I didn't care at all about the other competitors. I just went by myself and didn't di- didn't think twice at any decision. So he helped me to like stay cool and try to be tactical at some times and don't go full gas from the moment or from the start. So uh, he, yeah, he helped me a lot. Do you train with him on a regular basis? Do you see your coach? Is it remote? Do you train with a squad? What is your training environment like? Uh, when I'm back home in Sweden, I train a lot by myself or with my boyfriend. Uh, my coach is based in Mallorca, uh, so I usually go there during the spring and summer or autumn to prepare for a uh, for a bigger event. Uh, so that's when I meet him, and then we have regular contact. And usually in Mallorca, the squad is there as well. So. Uh, and now here at Poitas, uh, half of the squad is here and half are back home training in Sweden uh, or in Denmark. <laughs> and Sarah, so we kind of listed some of the accolades from 2018, and that just led to an even brighter 2019 for you. So you were first at Challenge Denmark, first at Ironman St. Poulton in 70.3, and first at Ironman Barcelona, which was an 8 hour and 34 minute performance there, which is insane. So what was it like to go from, you know, these two really banner years into 2020 where we didn't get to race at all? Uh, it was super hard because, yeah, like I said, 2019 was my breakthrough year. Uh, and then everything stopped, more or less. Uh, and with no races, I I decided to work more. Uh, I work as a medical doctor and... Yeah, we were all needed at the hospitals. Uh, so 2020 was like a shift for me. I went from being more or less a professional athlete and then went back to uh, my medical career. I still uh, trained a lot, uh, but since there was no races, I I tried to focus a little bit more on, on that stuff. Uh, so it was kind of a weird year. Uh, I'm very grateful for the race in Daytona. <laughs> so we had one one race at least. Uh, and uh, but but looking back, I think it was good because uh, you had I was able to train a lot and going back to basic and not focus on races and just try to lay a solid ground for my training. So, uh, yeah. What area of medicine do you normally practice, and how did that change during the pandemic? Uh, I'm in general medicine. Uh, so I work at the healthcare center. It actually didn't change a lot uh, for me more that uh, we had more to do, of course. Uh, but but in general, it, it didn't change. So Were you much. seeing patients in person? Were you doing telemedicine? Like, was it was it really stressful? Uh, in, in person, uh, we, we don't do telemedicine where I work actually. But I didn't I didn't work with the COVID patients more. Uh, the post-COVID patients and then all, all the regular stuff that uh, the hospital couldn't take care of. Uh, there was a big, a little bit of a bigger load uh, in for the general medicines. Yeah. And how did you manage, like, in the back of your mind, that thought of, like, you are a professional athlete, right? You're going to have to return to racing or, you know, 
Like, were you kind of questioning if you would ever get back to that competitive place? How did you handle like that mental struggle during that, the biggest year, I guess, of the pandemic 2020, when things were like really shut down? Uh, I, I think I was pretty cool about it, actually. I, uh, well, I knew it was, uh, it was big, pan- it is a big uh, pandemic and it's, I was prepared that it was going to take a while. So I, I, I well, I wasn't struck by surprise that I think a lot of other people were. I, I was thinking that at least one year, I didn't think two or three years that we're into now, but, uh, but I, I think it took it pretty cool and I knew I wanted to go back to racing and just, just needed the time. Uh, and you did, I guess, well, spoiler, we know that you did come back to racing and do very well, but you had a pretty big hiccup at the start of 2021 when you actually got COVID. And I think it, you, you think you got it from work and it led to some heart issues. Can you, can you mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, yeah, it was a pretty mild infection. I was sick for like one day or something like that, just a sore throat. And I don't even think I had had any fever. But when I started training again, uh, I noticed some some weird chest pain going on and I couldn't really localize it. And uh, at, at the, yeah, first I wasn't worried at all. I just thought it was something muscular, maybe like tension after lying on the, in the bed or something like that. Uh, but when it didn't go away, uh, I went down to my office and just t- took an ECG. Uh, and you should never do that <laughs> if you don't have anyone to discuss it with. Uh, so I got pretty shocked when I looked at it. Uh, then I talked to some of my colleagues and they recommended me to go to the emergency just to see that there was nothing acute going on and that was all clear and like fast forward a little bit I um, I eventually did a MRI of the heart uh, and they could see that there was one part of the heart that didn't get enough blood supply when I was training. So that was the pain I felt. It's like, it's, it's like um, how do you say it? I think it's called angina. Is it the same in English? I think yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, but they told me that it will go away and they have seen it in patients with COVID, uh, yeah, uh, post-COVID, uh, but it's temporary and it will completely go away. So uh, I was very re- relieved because I thought it was, something chronic and that I would never come back to racing again. Uh, but it, it took time. It took like three months or something like that before I could go back to uh, to training again. So uh, I think it was six weeks just going for walks. So, <laughs> so yeah. to follow the timeline, I think you were first diagnosed in May. So you're talking mm-hmm. like May, June, July, like the entire summer you are yeah. walking. Yeah, pretty much. And all you want to do at that moment is to race because you see every, everybody else is racing and the races are actually happening. So you are so eager to go out there. But yeah. <laughs> How did you handle that mentally? Were you, you know, keeping yourself patient, knowing in the long term, because of your medical knowledge, you knew in the long term that the rest would pay off? Yeah, in the beginning, it was super hard uh, because at first I didn't know what was going on. 
Uh, and as I said, I thought I was never going to be able to return to like being active at all. Uh, so my main goal was just to be get back to an active lifestyle uh, because that's what I love. Uh, and then when I when they told me that I will be able to train and I will be able to train hard again, it was uh, like a big burden loosen up, and I. Uh, I was I felt very confident and I believed in my doctors and uh, uh, felt strong enough to just go with the flow, take one uh, yeah day by day and uh, and I could also notice that uh, the pain got lesser and lesser and it got better and better. So uh, I the, yeah the progression was very noticeable and I think that helped a lot actually. And what about your road back to fitness? So once you were cleared to work out, how did you approach that build back to top form? Uh, oh, uh, slowly but surely. So I just went, uh, I, I did a lot of aerobic stuff, just trying to, to lay a solid base again. And then I did, uh, to prepare for the for the Ironmans, I did a lot of just Ironman specific training, actually. Yeah. All my sessions were in Ironman pace. <laughs> Your Ironman pace, I imagine, though, is still pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we mentioned the 835 in Barcelona. And then you were able to get back to fitness because we're going to talk a lot about this. But you're, you ended the season, Ironman Cozumel, in November. You won the race in 822, which is the, I believe, fastest known time for a woman in an Ironman branded race. So how did it feel to go from doing yoga and walking in July to going the fast, one of the fastest Ironman times ever in history by November? Yeah, it felt incredible. Yeah. Definitely. I had a I had a race before. Uh, I did Ironman Mallorca, but I, actually I DNF because uh, I couldn't keep the energy. So I was a little bit insecure how Cosmel would go, but I was so determined to do a good race. And I so badly wanted to, uh, mostly for myself, uh, just go out there and uh, lay everything uh down there and go as hard as I can so it was a big relief when the customer actually paid off uh, and I could could race like I wanted to and Sarah that 822 as Haley said is the fastest known time in an Ironman branded race and that distinction kind of came with a bit of controversy due to the down current swim and it is not one of the highest ranked Ironman distance races per PTO rankings either mm. so how do you feel about the complicated nature of all of this with the fastest official and unofficial times and, and all of that? Uh, I don't, I, I don't care so much about times actually. Uh, I think it's cool that we have records and exactly there's mar marathon records. And of course we can have Ironman records. Uh, but, uh, but, but for myself, I don't care so much about, uh, the time actually I think it's fun that we can that we can have the records and records are there to be broken so uh, uh, but but it's like you said it, it's it's very very hard to calculate a specific time and with a current yeah with a system current or with a uh, wind or uh, something something else it's super hard to do it fair I think 
uh, I believe PTO is doing doing a lot of uh, work trying to adjust the times and uh, trying to get it as fair as possible, but uh, but it's hard. Yeah. And when you're racing, do you think about the times? Are you paying attention to your times at all? Not at all. Uh, only the marathon. Yeah. <laughs> so did you have any idea in Cozumel that you were going to go a time that fast? I knew I was going fast uh, because I was like trying, trying a little bit to calculate what time. Uh, yeah, just just go for the for the clock because I didn't know what a, um, my swim time and I actually didn't know my bike time. But when I looked at the clock and it was like one o'clock, I knew okay, I have gone pretty fast. And if I will finish the last lap in one hour, I would probably go under eight thirty. But I wasn't completely sure, you know, doing the math while running is always hard. <laughs> And Sarah, the New York Times recently published an article about Christian Blumenfeld and the Norwegians. Um, Christian won the men's race in Cozumel, and the article noted that there was no drug testing at the race. So um, do you, were the women drug tested? Do you have thoughts about kind of the drug testing processes that are happening at Ironman right now? Uh, I think it was super weird that we weren't tested. Uh, I believe I've been tested at all the races I've been at. I think this was the first one where I went to the podium and didn't get tested, uh, which I thought was very, very, very weird. And I think it would be it should it should be a testing for the top three in every race. I think uh, I report to Vada and I get tested regularly uh, by them. But there are a lot of athletes that don't so uh, I think I think there should be a little bit harder on the on the testing and like I said at least top three should be tested and you mentioned that your build up to Cozumel I think you know you talked about the DNF in Majorca there was an article in Tri 247 where you mentioned mentioned some personal issues obviously COVID and there's no need to go into details unless you want to but these are tough times in general. And imagine a lot of our listeners are also having kind of less than ideal race preps. So can you offer mm. any advice for how to get yourself on a start line when it might feel like life is suggesting that you take a step back? Oh, I think it's very individual. Uh, for me, for the for Ironman Cosmel, I actually had to like shut down all my feelings uh, and just just try to focus on the training. I don't think uh, that's the best way to handle it, but I will, I didn't have an, a lot of time uh, to be prepared. And Ironman is a very mental challenge. And if you're not in a good place, uh, when you start to race, it can be really hard. So uh, for me, I, I, I had to shut down everything. Uh, and then I had to deal with it later. <laughs> uh, that that could be, yeah. Of course, that it it worked for me, but I don't think it's it's a way to to do it for the other races or like in general. It was just uh, uh, it was a very tough time at that moment. Uh, so I didn't see any other choice. Actually, what does it mean to shut down your feelings? Does that mean that you don't necessarily have feelings about a specific workout session? You're just like, 
doesn't matter if it was good or bad. It happened. Move on to the next one. Uh, no, for me, uh, it was more, uh, um, more the emo- like, yeah, the emotion, the feelings. Oh, how can I explain this? About like the life <laughs> stuff versus the, exactly, the workouts life, per se. Yeah. So I just, I, 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 yeah, I shut everything down except from the, uh, from the training. And uh, so I just uh, was super focused on the training. And that was all I was think- thinking about at that moment. So less coffee dates with friends and le- or <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to think about other things. It was just you were very, very focused for that period of time. But then ultimately, it does sound like you got to a healthier place. Did you get, get help or after the race or anything like that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh I have great friends and great family and uh, they are a very big support. Uh, so I got a lot of help to, yeah, handle that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, Haley and I and our listeners appreciate you sharing that. And I think part, it's important to share kind of when you are racing at the level that you are, right? The things that you might have to do to perform at your best. And I think your self-awareness that it probably wasn't maybe the healthiest thing. And it certainly wouldn't be for everyone to be able to do, but you were able to do it. It was successful for your racing. And, you know, you then had to still like, it doesn't go away, right? Like the great race didn't then magically make everything better. And I think that's important to share too. So Mm, thank you mm, for that. Definitely. And so Sarah, you're still working as a doctor, um, working two days a week, I believe. So a little bit of time, which is probably plenty of time on top of the training hours you're putting in. So, you know, do you think that it's, Really, have you thought about kind of taking like a leave from being a doctor for a bit? Would that be an option for you? Or do you think it's helpful for you to have that non-triathlon outlet in life? Yeah, I actually decided to take a leave uh, now uh, for this year. Uh, I love to work. And I think it's been, I think it's been very good for me because you have something else to focus on. Uh, and you can completely forget about triathlon and training and numbers and stuff like that. And you can actually uh, do something good for other people. Uh, but it, but it's, it also takes a lot of energy. So the days when I were working, uh, I could be completely exhausted. And I, I knew I was going to feel better if I went to... Uh, a run session or a bike session but sometimes it was hard to motivate yourself to go out there <laughs> uh, and do your patients or your coworkers do they know how like you're an amazing athlete and that you have the fastest known <laughs> women's Ironman branded time ever do they celebrate that or do you kind of keep it on the down low no, they say they celebrate it. They are super excited and they are very supportive. And uh, yeah. <laughs> How about just being in Sweden in general? Are you a celebrity? No, not at all. Triathlon is such a small sport. <laughs> Most people don't even know what triathlon is. It's like, okay, it's a bike. Oh, what else do you do? <laughs> Well, hopefully you'll be you'll be changing that as more people catch wind of, of the things that you're doing. And 
Um, I did want to ask you, you had mentioned that you're, you're kind of escaping the Swedish winter by being in Fuerteventura right now. Um, but you know, I'm in New Hampshire in the States and I've been enjoying off season training by picking up all sorts of winter sports, like cross country skiing, et cetera. So I'm curious to know, do you do any winter sports? Have you ever incorporated them into your training and off season and things like that? Yeah, I love cross country skiing. I I think it's uh, a super good uh, training and you, uh, you're able to use your whole body. Unfortunately, where I live in Sweden, we don't have so much snow. It's more like rain, <laughs> rain and cold. So uh, it, uh, it doesn't get, get a lot of cross-country skiing, unfortunately. Do you have mm. tips for Alyssa for going uphill? <laughs> I know Alyssa has been struggling a little bit on her uphills with cross-country skiing. Uh, Do you have any tips? Yeah, it's- uh, it's super hard. I, I just try to run uphill. I think that's oh. the easiest one. <laughs> Trying to, yeah, I, I don't know if, if it's right. And I think the skier, if there's any skiers listen to this, they will just laugh. But I try to run. Yeah. There you go, Alyssa. <laughs> just, you're good at running. You can do that. I'll try anything. Yeah. <laughs> we can watch the Olympics. The Olympics are coming up. We'll just check out their technique and just emulate that. Exactly. Um, well, Sarah, you mentioned racing more this year. We know that St. George is on your schedule. Kona is on your schedule in October. Are you eyeing any other races? I I know this calendar is ever, ever changing, but between, you know, at least in the first couple of months of the year, are you, do you have anything planned? Uh, I don't have anything planned before St. George. Uh, I will probably do some 7.3s in the middle, uh, but nothing set yet, actually. Are you excited to go to Kona? I think you've actually, you've raced there once before, right? But are you excited now that yeah. you've had even more experience in the heat in Cozumel? And um, I mean, that is such an iconic course. Yeah, I'm super excited. I was qualified 2018, but unfortunately I got a stress fracture. So I only did the swim. Uh, I didn't know what was wrong at the moment, but I, I got the stress fracture like one week before the race. So I, I was devastated. Uh, so now I want to go back and I want to do the whole race and not only the swim. Hmm. And Sarah, thanks so much for spending some time with us today. What's, where's the best place that our listeners could follow your journey? Uh, I believe Instagram is the best place. Yeah, We'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. Thank you. <laughs> Haley, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff? Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary care physician, but I'll admit, sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too, and that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your results within a few days. My favorite part they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash ironwomen and get started. If you're a longtime Iron Women listener, you know there are a few things Haley and I love more than snacks. That's why we're extra excited to share with you this month's new sponsor. That's it, a snack company that makes delicious, convenient, plant-based snacks that are all natural, non-GMO, and preservative-free. That's it offers a broad range of convenient, on-the-go snacks with all items containing six ingredients or less. They make fruit snacks that are actually made from 100% real fruit. And for the iron parents out there, these snacks are school safe, completely free from the top 12 allergens. 
Head over to thatsitfruit.com forward slash ironwomen and use the code ironwomen to receive 20% off your first order. The website address is thatsitfruit.com forward slash ironwomen and the code is ironwomen. Big thanks to Sarah for coming on the show and telling us more about her athletic history. I think she's definitely one to watch headed into St. George and Hawaii. I'm excited for her to get another crack at the Big Island um, because she's obviously very talented. And when she's healthy, um, I think she could do some really amazing things. Yes, Haley. Um, Thanks to Sarah. And thank you to you for kind of bearing with us through your home repair woes through this episode. Um, we can hear a little bit of things picking up over there and we really hope your roof leak improves. I hope it definitely is taken care of by the time that the Olympics are starting in a few days. So you can settle in nice, quiet house. You have some training to be doing, um, watch the Olympics and Haley, I will say too, I listened to a podcast from Lolo Jones the other day. And I have to say our podcast is definitely better than Lolo Jones's podcast. There's not a lot of things I can do better than Lolo Jones probably, but we can podcast much better. So I am, I was pretty excited to tell you that I did want to. <laughs> we have four years of experience. It does help. But then when we have uh, a lot of banging going on in the background, but yes, hopefully this is over by the time the Olympics come on, because you know that. I mean, I, I, then I really will kick them out. I was like, it's one thing to interview, to interrupt my, um, interview and my recording, but it's another thing to, inter- to interrupt the opening ceremonies. No, um, again, this is life. We'll just, we just deal with it. But Alyssa, I hope your week goes a little bit smoother than mine and I will talk to you next week. Bye Haley. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited and produced by Lindsay Glassford. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Zelio Skincare, Orca Sportswear, and Inside Tracker. You can find all websites and discount codes at ironwomenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.